What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the Byron Nelson 2023 DraftKings DFS preview. We are the Tour Junkies DB here. Uh, I added a little, um, add a little tea to my vodka mixture from the betting show. Oh, so goodness. this is splash. Sweet tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. What is there? What? I'm in Georgia. I don't have unsweet tea. I know, tea. but you're not a sugar guy. I'm you not a lot of sugar. I don't stuff. drink sweet tea very much. I only drink sweet, like a splash of it in my in my vodka. Anyway, here we are. It's you Byron Nelson. You cannot have tea. You brought this up, so I'm going to go here. You can't call sweet tea sweet tea if it doesn't have just at just sugar in it. All right, don't sure. be don't be throwing in yeah. some kind of Splenda or some kind of crap and telling me it's sweet tea. Okay, don't be putting sweet and low in tea and trying to tell me it's sweet tea because it's not. All right, that's it. That's you know, ever do. since we switched up the betting show being the first show live instead of where it was a DFS show live, I feel like the DFS people are getting. If you're just if you're just a DFS listener. You're getting the more often inebriated versions of the tour junkies, which is what happened last week, uh, which may be fun for you or you may hate it. And in fact, more on that later, more on that at 11, uh, because I'm going to bring in a new segment at the end of the show tonight that I haven't even told Pat about. It's going to be a good time, but we're going to we're going to have some fun with that one. Uh, But before we get into it, like just kicking off, recapping the Wells Fargo, we talked a lot about Wyndham Clark. And I don't, I don't want to harp on Wyndham Clark anymore, but let's just, I want to review the DFS landscape and maybe even talk about things we got right, things we missed, maybe things we could learn. Because I, I do think it's worth a slight debrief. We used to do a full recap on these shows and people got mad. They just want to get to the pit, get to the 10K. I get it. Okay. But just a slight, slight recap of some things, just to see if maybe we learn some things or we pick up on some things. The perfect lineup last week would have involved Pretty chalky Wyndham Clark. He was chalk. He was chalky. Uh, very not chalky Xander Shoffley, which we talked about on the show that we, we figured between Rory and Cantlay, Xander would get squeezed out. We talked about I him. I like Xander. You like Xander. We talked about him in the chat on Wednesday night. We were very much there. Terrell Hatton, I was not on. I don't remember if you were, but I, I was on. I don't think I was, um, to be honest. Adam Scott was a guy we talked about on Wednesday. I felt like, you know, Adam Scott to me, Adam Scott and Gary Woodland, Maybe Justin Thomas were the three best values on the board, and they happened to pay off. Adam Scott, I think, was like 7300 which was just an odd price for the field, and considering what he does well, it felt like a good value, and he was. Um, Harris English, I had none of him. I didn't see, didn't see the irons finally coming around for him. And Denny McCarthy, you know, it usually takes a lot for me to play Denny McCarthy. I wasn't on Denny either. That would have been your perfect lineup. It would have scored 652 points. Get this. You would have only spent $48,800 of your salary cap. So you would have left $12,000 on the table with a total estimated ownership of around 60%. Um, Wait, you mean 1200 Sorry, 1200 not 12000 Yeah. That's sorry, say, good God almighty, there's no way. I also saw this tweet today, Pat, and th- I think this is a good reminder for everybody. The DFS Daily Newsletter, shout out to those guys. They put out a, a daily newsletter, and usually on Mondays, they'll recap some things from the, the golf DFS streets, okay? And there was a Millie Maker last week, the 2K PGA Millie Maker, um, and there were, they tracked the top 11 entrance in terms of individual number of entries so these people these 11 people maxed out or very close to maxed out the the contest okay oh, yeah I saw this tweet yeah. of those top 11 they had 231 entries between them do you know how much money well you did because you saw it do you know how much money they lost between them they lost three hundred and sixteen thousand mm, dollars good for dk well, well, great for everyone who won money, but not them. Like those, those people, those top eleven people. Only one person out of the eleven was profitable, and cumulatively, yeah. they lost over a quarter million dollars in one contest in one week. It's just good to read stuff like that because DFS is freaking hard. More on that again later. But DFS is hard, and just because you max in or something doesn't mean you're going to do well. It doesn't mean you're super smart. Doesn't mean you're going to do well every week, okay? But that's a crap ton of money to lose. Anyway, uh, that would have been your perfect lineup. I got to give a shout-out to Joe Idoni because we crap on him when he screws it up, but he had a great chalk bomb last week. I wish I would have listened. I didn't. 
He had Cameron Young as the chalk bomb. And Cam Young came in over his projection, along with Victor Hovland, at 35% owned. He, was, uh, he finished 48th in DraftKings point scoring. Great job on the chalk bomb there for uh, Joe Idoni. He has a great record with Cam Young. His Cam Young radar is quite good, actually. It is. Um, other guys you probably should have faded at high ownership. Victor Hovland, I mentioned, it was at 30%. He finished 36th in DK scoring. Sahith. The Gala, 23%, finished 51st in DK scoring. Rory, told you to fade Rory, 21%, 46th in DK scoring. Jordan Spieth, this is a big one because we mentioned this on the betting show, but we were on site at Wells Fargo and had a little nugget on Jordan Spieth that we shared in our Wednesday night Discord Nut Hut chat. And had you listened to that, you might have made the decision. In fact, I saw some did, and I did. Uh, to remove him from your DFS lineups based on that information. Glad I did. Now, I'd already bet him on Monday morning, and I had to live with that. That was, that was it. But I'm glad, that, I'm glad that worked out. Patrick Cantlay was the other one at 16% ownership, finished 18th in DK scoring. So, I mean, really, those were some guys you probably would have been good fading. Xander was definitely the clear play up top, sandwiched between Rory and Cantlay. And really, had you gone Xander and then really a lot of balance, you would have done quite well because there wasn't much under Xander in that 9K range outside until you get to like JT that was really worth the price of admission. So like JT, Gary, Tommy Ladd was one who we were riding pretty hard. He played well. Uh, and then other names that we've already mentioned. So just some things I think are, you know, important to know. Props to you as well. You had the J-Day call in the Nut Hut on Wednesday night. You observed J-Day from like, what, 10 feet away on the range on Wednesday, which just, that doesn't always work out, but you... You said it looked like he may have been struggling with some ball striking situations, he, and he lost some strokes with the irons, and it happened to, to be okay. Um, we informed the nut hut that Joel Damon was not interested at all in practicing at all last week. Uh, he had more fun practicing with me. He did have fun. Yeah, Pat, Pat challenged <laughs> – well, I challenged Joel Damon on behalf of Pat to a bump and run contest. We did that on Wednesday. That was a lot of fun. Hung out with Joel for about an hour on the range while he did nothing. Shared that with the Nut Hut. Hopefully he didn't play Joel Damon despite his great record because he trunk slammed. So, you know, all in all, I'm just saying, like, you know, the Nut Hut is, you know, the, the, the price for the Nut Hut, you know, outside of the amazing community that you get to join, the exclusive picks you get from our boy Joe Idoni, who's crushing it in the head-to-head and finished position markets, the round-by-round underdog and props plays that you get from me and Pat every, every, you know, every day that we're winning there. Um, it ain't really necessarily about us, but it's a lot of sharp people in there. But then there's these weeks where we get little nuggets, and these little nuggets could save you or win you some money. That's what I'm saying. So it's a great time to join the Nut Hut. The, uh, you've got the major season, three more majors coming up here in the next couple months. It's going to be fantastic. PGA Championship is next week. Get in there, link in the description of the podcast and video. Uh, I'm also excited because last week we finalized a deal with the PGA Tour. And the golf betting and DFS side of the PGA Tour is now called Golf Bet. And if you've not already seen it, you should check it out. But starting this week for the Byron Nelson on Tuesday, we will have an article up every single week on Golf Bet on the PGATour.com website talking about a few DFS plays, a few guys, a few names to consider. It is a cumulative article written by me by Pat and by our boy Ben, Chalk Bomb, formerly Chalk Bomb Ben. Yeah. Sharp DFS player himself. We're going to have that. There's a, there's and currently there's a there's a bet out on the odds on who is going to be quicker to get their piece in first, whether it's going to be Pat or Ben. I will take we that. We don't know. Um and that's and that's that's saying something. That's saying something. Um in addition to that, we'll be doing a video for their social media channels. So here's what I'll say. Uh even if you don't like us that much, which I, I don't know why you'd be watching this, but if you don't like us as much, that much, engage with the, with the content on social, read the articles, click through the articles, because you're reinforcing to the PGA Tour that, hey, there are people that want this content. You know, the PGA Tour is making a big change in the right direction to get into the golf betting and DFS space and then contract people like us to add content and add value to their followers. And we reinforce that that is what we want, and we want the tour to embrace that stuff when we engage with the video, when we like it, when we retweet it, when we comment on it, when we put it on, add it to our story, when we click on the article, when we read the article. Like all of that stuff reinforces to the decision makers at the tour that there are people out here that want this content. So we, we ask you to engage, not just in our content, but anybody's content that's doing stuff 
on the PGA Tour website because it's good for everybody if you're a betting and DFS fan to do that. That starts this week, and we're pumped about that. All right. I think that's all I got up here. I got some questions, Pat. I got some questions in the 9K range. First of all, Jordan Spieth is withdrawn. So, uh, obviously, uh, we, we know that. So, no more jo- Jordan Spieth. It's going to be Scheffler at 11-9, which actually feels like a value for some reason. But, I, I mean, well, for a lot of reasons, but I, I think more so than obviously in the betting market. So, you got Scheffler, you got Hatton, Hideki, Tom Kim, J-Day, K.H. Lee, your back-to-back winner going for the three-peat, Adam Scott, Siwoo Kim, and Matt Kuchar. Here's my question. At what percentage ownership will you play, will you roster KH Lee? What is the maximum percent ownership projection late on Wednesday night that you would roster $9,300 KH Lee coming off his eighth place finish at the Wells Fargo going for the three-peat? 20%. What? That's the ownership you'll play him? Did you listen to the question? You'll play him at 20% ownership. You'll play him at 19. Yeah. yeah. Huh? What? Yeah. Shut up. Why would you not? That's a terrible decision. Why would you not play him at that? Are you freaking kidding me right now? It's KH Lee. He's won here exactly. three Exactly. It is KH Lee. That's why you wouldn't do it. A 20% KH Lee? Yeah, I'll play a 20% KH Lee. Dude, in come this on. Golf tournament. Come on. You're hammered. You're hammered. Why would you not play him at 20%? Because it's K.H. Lee, and the odds, the odds of him winning are terrible, of him actually winning a, a third time. $9,300. He is out of his league in the range that he's in. Way out of his league. He's, not, he's not even close. He's top 10 last week in an elevated event. I understand that. There, there's Top T23 at the Masters. First of all, there's no way he even gets to 20% because not that many people would agree with you. So I'm just I, saying, I would still play him. I think KH Lee, this is a place he's comfortable in. He's won it twice in a row. I'd still play him. I'd still play him. Absolutely. I mean, at like, at like 13 to 15%, I'm out. I just won't. I'm out. You don't, you don't want any part of KH Lee at 13 to 15%. I don't know. I don't. There's way too much volatility with him. Way the too much. The whole field is... It's, it's a, I agree, but I don't have to pay ninety three hundred for the whole field at fifty at thirteen yeah, but to fifteen. You can find ownership. something else somewhere. I mean, there, it doesn't matter. Dude, I cannot believe that was your answer. Golly, that's shocking. Well, I and based on our betting show, I think I know. I think I probably know the answer to this question. The next question I had written down is same question: At what percentage maximum would you play ninety eight hundred dollar Hideki Matsuyama with all the injury concerns? I'd probably put it the same number. So 20% injury concerned, possible withdrawal risk, Hideki, you'd play him. I am so in on Hideki this week. I know you are, and I know you... Now, now, things have changed a little bit for me and Hideki because I kind of felt like, and actually you go back to the PGA Tour and our article that we're going to be doing, I kind of thought of him as a good low lower owned i mean i don't i mean he's still not gonna be he's gonna be a little bit chalk but when spieth was in the field when spieth was in the field he was gonna be less chalky oh yeah yeah yeah. so now it's even it's it's probably you know the ownership is gonna swing a little bit his way with spieth not in the field now i mean he was only 12 percent owned at the masters i know that's what i was getting i don't think he's gonna be that low owned for a while i don't think he's gonna be that chalky I, could I mean, see, he could be. I think he'll be thought. more chalky than, than, well, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd but be I don't shocked mind playing you... a, chalky, a, a chalky Hideki either this week. And usually I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I always want to play, like, I always kind of like to go against, like, last week with Shuffley. I was, I love Xander last week. I loved going, pivoting off of, you know, guys like Rory. I did like Hovland, though. So I, I guess I was, I was in the lack camp, but. Yeah, I had way too many Hovland lineups. But Hideki, I like a lot this week, man. I just think I think he can win. Oof, boy. I mean, if you have lineups with Hideki and KH Lee in it, first of all, you're, you are going to have a ton of leverage. You're going to have a ton of leverage. I don't think, they're, I don't think either one of those boys are going to creep up to that ownership you're talking about. But, I mean, that's also 
that's that's a lot of cash you're spending on two risky boys, two risky biscuits. That is, that's that's. This is a week like that for me. Like I just want to be, I don't, I want to be so against the grain this week. I don't I don't care. I like if that against the grain is going with KH Lee. So you could actually be against the grain by taking. This sounds weird, but by going with a guy that yes. could be a little bit chalky in KH Lee. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Be. I don't. I don't think there's enough people that believe. I don't think there's going to be enough sentiment that believes in the consistency of KH Lee um, at that price is the thing, which the price makes sense in this field and coming off of back-to-back wins, I get it. I was more excited to play Hideki. I've I, I played Hideki already this year at the Masters um, and one other event, I think, at low ownership when people were were scared. But I don't mind doing that in DFS when he's – you know, sub 10%, and it doesn't cost me a lot to double up my leverage on him. But, I mean, if, if he's going to get up to like, which I don't, I don't think he'll get up to 15. I don't, I don't think either one of these guys are going to see 15%. I think, here's my next question. Well, my, well, my, my next question, this is the final question I have for this range, and now it's kind of irrelevant. Now it's really more of the top two. But I was kind of thinking, would you start any lineups without any of the top four, which Scheffler, Spieth, Hatton, Hideki? I, I would not feel good about that. And actually, that's my answer, too. I, I, I think this is one of those weeks where everyone is going to do something up top. Everyone's going to do some combination of Scheffler, Hatton. Probably now it's Scheffler and Hatton. And then, and then go from there. So I, I, I do think the. There's going to be a big gap, but honestly, it's just scary to do anything otherwise. Like, I mean, let's put it this way: if you're going to go with a single entry, if you've got, yeah, if you've got the two the two hundred dollars single entry, we'll put it that way. And two hundred dollars is typically like you're you're going you're at the top range of where you want to spend typically in a week. So, and you've only got one to put in there. You're I just would not feel comfortable going away from any of those guys. I mean, you can't take them all, obviously, but yeah. you would choose choose one or two, whatever you can do. But now, if I'm if I'm entering multi, you know a ton of lineups, and you know I feel like I, I want to put a few in there and avoid all four or whatever, then fine. But not if you're not if you're going like with cash or you're going with single entries or things like that, or you know. A three entry max, things like that. I could see Adam Scott getting a little love. I don't know what to do with Kucher. I feel like Kucher might get some love. The nine K price, nine K Kucher. Like Kucher will be one that if he's if he's projected to be chalk on Wednesday night, like like let's say he's projected to be like fifteen percent on Wednesday night, which I don't even know that happens, but if if it happened, I guarantee you when you log in on Thursday, he'll be like nine because everybody will see that and be like, I'm out. I'll bounce, but I think I think Kucher and Scott are a couple of their plays in here that are that are obviously interesting and feel the safest. They, they do feel the safest to me. Um, so if I were playing cash, I'd probably. I, but also, if I were playing cash, like I would not mind going up to Hatton at ten one. Um, so I, I think the potential for chalk is for sure Scheffler and Hatton, and then I think it's probably Scott. And I think that might be it in terms of the chalk. Yeah, no, I agree. The, I mean, I, I think sometimes there's weeks where you're like, you know, you're in a school of fish and you're just swimming along, swimming along with the fish. And like, you just, sometimes you got to be with the school. You got to, you got to stay along and just, you got to, you got to be with the ownership. All right. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to play those guys and just deal with it. Okay. You're just like all the other fish. And then sometimes there's weeks where you're like Dory. And you forget, like you started your lineup and you like you're like Dory and you can't remember things and you just forgot things while you're doing your lineup. And that's what happens. And that that's why I think this is this is a fish week. This is a fish week. Hmm. That makes sense to you? Nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, th- let me tell you the one guy I'm not playing in here. I'm not playing Seawood Kim. And I hate to say what? it. What? I hate to say it. I hate to say it. He doesn't. He's not right now. Like he's just kind of 
He's just, yeah, it's just not great. Like the, the, the irons are okay. They're kind of average for the field. The putting is atrocious. Three putt avoidance is bad. Um, and, and putting to me, putting in, in iron play is, is it this week. Like he's, he's obviously not, he's not a bomber. Um, he's not even, yeah. I mean, I just, he's not done well here. I know it's a home game for Siwoo, but that feels like a lot of volatility too for 9,100. I think that's why people want to go up top is because they're going to say, if I'm going to pay up, I want safety. I want safety. And I'm, I'm obviously getting upside with like Scheffler Hatton, but I think they want safety. And to me, Kucher and Scott give me a little more safety than Seawood. Do you feel like they give you that that upside though that you need in a week where there could be a lot of scoring? I know there's some weather issues, so that that could be a, a potential thing that we're looking at. But Scott even said it in his press conferences last week. He's like, Hey, I'm playing, I'm playing all right. It's just not good enough because I'm not making a, a, as many birdies. And you get on a course like this where it's it's yeah. kind of a birdie fest. Yeah, Scott like, worries Scott me in a birdie fest a little Kuchar, bit. Same way. Cooch is the same thing. Well, I trust I, I trust way more ups, upside with guys like KH Lee, Hideki, who you know will be aggressive as hell. Si Woo, who will be Hideki's upside is for sure there, but Hideki's upside is for sure. I mean, I definitely trust Kucher more with the putter, but look, in the last so, so this is what I did. I filtered to bent and Bermuda surfaces because I really think like this is bent grass. There's no grain in it. It's pure, right? But I also think we've played some Bermuda courses lately that are so pure that they they're, they kind of roll like bent too. So I just wanted to make sure I threw out any Poa and Pass Palum is really what that was. In the last 12 rounds, Adam Scott's 13th in this field in strokes game putting. In the last 50 rounds, he's 53rd in that same category. Like that's not... That's not terrible, Adam Scott. That's okay. Like that's 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 I can live with it, Adam Scott, because I know that I'm getting elite iron play and T to green play, which is also what he's he's been doing lately. So I think Scott is a little safer than you think with the putter. Yes, long term record in birdie fest where you got to make everything and and shoot 25 under is is not great. But it feels like lately it's a little different. Okay. All right. I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. Anything else on the 9K range? No. Uh-uh. All right, you let's get to... Uh, me and my whole... I, I don't... Yeah. That's strange. I mean, look, you'll probably be the only guy in the whole touty industry saying that, which I know you love to do that. You'll be the only one. The only school of fish swimming that way. You, you know, but you just might... And you might... And it might work out for you. I hope... I, I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope next week... PGA Championship, you are telling me I told you so. I really do. I, I hope you have that for you. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Um, all right, before we get to the AK range, our friends at Front9Coffee.com, they are the coffee provider for the tour junkies. And if you love coffee and you love golf, head to Front9Coffee.com. Support a local small business started right here out of our own backyard in Augusta, Georgia. Shipping anywhere in the U.S. just within days of you ordering. When you order, they're going to roast it fresh when you order it, so you know that when they deliver it, you're going to get a freshly roasted bag of coffee. They now do K-Cups for you Keurig people. They got K-Cups. They got all the kind of, all, you know, any kind of machine you got, they got it. Whole bean, whatever. I have my blend of coffee, DB's large bucket of nuts, hazelnut blend. Pat has his coffee, the Bump and Run, which is like an espresso Milano. It's delicious. You can support a great company that's supporting us, go to Front9, that's the number 9, coffee.com, promo code TJ10 gets you 10% off your entire order, and you can use that code over and over again. So if you're a repeat buyer, which I know a lot of you are, you can use TJ10 over and over again to get you some Front9 coffee. Get them good jitters, early birdies for them early risers at Front9coffee.com. 8K range, Pat. This is a, this is a, a, this mur- is a range, a murderer's <laughs> row of range here, and it's going to be tough because, like I said, with lineup construction, if you're going Scheffler Hatton, especially if you go both, if you go one of them, you can definitely hit this 8K range. But if you go both, you ain't going to be down. You ain't gonna, you're not going to be. You're going you're gonna to pass the 8K range and not collect two hundred dollars. Um, but it is an interesting range in here. 
Oof, what is my question? It, okay, here's my here's my only question in the AK range. Does anyone crack 13% ownership in the 8K range? 13% in tournaments and GPPs, 13% projected ownership on Wednesday night. Does anyone in this range crack that projection come Wednesday night? You know, I don't I don't think they do, but I tell you who I think could be close. Okay. And that's Ben on. What? I- I think Ben On's going to be close. And here's, here's why. Here's why. Because I knew that was going to be your, your I did, reaction. I do not see that, but okay. Your reaction, I knew that was going to be it. Top 10 at Valero. T33 at the Mexico Open. But then, you look at a guy that's, you know, he, he's, he's just been, he's been playing pretty solid lately. All right? And now, look, I know the last time he played here, they weren't even at TPC Craig Ranch. So okay, well, hold on. You, you gave the Mexico Open, and then you said, and then you said, but then, and then you didn't but, but say then, what he did last week. Here's the thing: I think you're gonna, if you're gonna run models and you're gonna look at stats, you look at his ball striking, top twenty five in the field, top thirty five in approach. He's top thirty in par five scoring. He's gonna check the box and opportunities gained and birdie or better percentage. I think Ben On could actually end up if you look at the stats and you run a model, other than like Hoagie, who hasn't been playing great lately Mm -hmm. there's really not many other guys that are going to check a lot of boxes in here other than ben on okay you're right on hoagie hoagie is the box checker of the crowd but you're right he's had a couple of tough ones. he's absolutely the 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 box checker. i don't see ben on as being the guy that everyone's like because he sucks putting and putting's going to be weighted heavily here he sucks from that 200 yards plus which i i hate to say but but he does go go Compare him to every other person in here. I, know. I like Seamus Power. Okay, well, I'll like tell you somebody Seamus who Power. checks more boxes yeah. than Ben On. I think Stefan Yeager right now is going to check more boxes than you Ben You think on. Yeager is going to be higher in than Ben On? Yes, I do. That would be stupid. Now, that is where I, I draw the line. Now, we also know, you, Ava, you, you're, what is your historical record for projecting ownership? Well, I get it. It's terrible. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, would you rather have Ben On or Stephen Yeager? I don't know. I don't think I, I actually don't think I'll end up playing either one of them. I, I don't. If you listen, like if you go one for one on everybody in this range, it's, it, it would be very hard to say that Ben on would not be who you would take over that person. I love Ben on. Are you saying this because we had such a great conversation with Ben on on the putting green? On, well, I mean, that's part of Wednesday. it. He's a great, uh, he's a great, a great dude. Um, big TJ fan too. Big TJ fan. He's going to send us some CJ hats, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. You can't get those anywhere. Um, I yeah, I don't. Pat, we got some disagreement tonight. You know, I don't if know. Yeager is chalky. I don't even want to be right. I don't want to be any part of Yeager. Chalky Yeager. Off it. Done. I can't believe you think Cage not getting in a single lineup of mine. I can't believe you want chalky Cage Lee and you don't want slightly chalky Stephen Yeager. Hell no. Are you on Planet Tito's already? No, I'm not. I'm not even drinking liquor. I, okay, this is this is great. This I don't. I mean, what do you want from me? You want me to be like everybody else, DB? No, Pat, you're not like everybody else. I mean, we come know on. that. I don't want to be like it. I, like, if I could pinch your cheeks right now, I'd reach to the camera and pinch Jager your cheeks gets, and tell you you're special. Not he does not get anything rising up. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> what? You raise me. Wait, up. wait a minute. No, no. You can't just start singing after that comment. He doesn't get anything rising up. Yeah, like, like you know, in the loin area. Oh, but Ben On does? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, okay. I uh I was looking at uh, Yeah, I wasn't looking at much here. I will say that. Um Cebez is intriguing to me cuz the putter is good. I mean the the approach plays okay. Um, this is a tough scene in here. Jaeger is checking boxes. I will say that though, but I, I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna play an approaching chalk Jaeger if it happens to be that way. But I will tell you, he'll be higher than been on. I can't wait for. I can't wait. I can't wait for Thursday to send you when lineups lock. What what it actually is. I'll send my it favorite play to be honest is he's not checking any boxes. Of course, and it's Seamus Power. Okay, now I look. I have Seamus written down too because Seamus I think Seamus is my favorite play in here. I think and, there could be some upside with him, and I think people might stay away at eighty nine hundred. 
Absolutely, they are. You do get upside with Sheamus. It doesn't feel super safe considering how, you know, he's not checking boxes like you said. He's not been playing fantastic, but coming off the decent finish at the Wells where he gained strokes in every every major category, and you know you have some upside. I mean, the guy's a two-time PGA Tour winner. It's been sorry events, but he's still a two-time PGA Tour winner. I get, I get that. It, it feels like I'm paying a lot for it, but I think that's why he might go overlooked. So, where do you think Min Woo Lee will be? Because I think I'm surprised. I can't put my finger on that one because he's such a DFS darling that everybody loves right yeah. now, and I love Min Woo Lee. God, I love too. What a great! He's just seems like a fantastic guy. He's got an unreal game. Aussie's super, super talented. Aussie's in Texas. If Ben's listening, we know Ben loves that. Aussie's in Texas. I mean, he's like the he's like the Australian Taylor Montgomery. He bombs it and he putts well, but his irons are trash. Um, so that's a little concerning with Min Woo. I like him on difficult. I mean, he's he's clearly done better on difficult courses. I mean, look at the players, the Honda, the Open, the Masters. Like slightly more. Di- I mean, I, I don't know. Although you could argue St Andrews wasn't difficult last year, but um, seemingly does better there. But also, like, we don't have much of a sample size of Minwoo. Like, with Minwoo. No, we don't. I mean, I agree. But I don't think he goes under the radar because people just love him. I don't know. We'll see. How, we'll see how. He's not a guy who I would write off on a Monday, though. I'll tell you that. I won't write him Eight off. Eight or nine percent. That's my guess. Okay. I, as much as I would love to, man, like, I hope Aaron Wise. I love Aaron Wise. We all know I'm a big Aaron Wise guy. Love the kid. Um, He's having a rough a rough year. He took a break after the players, you know, dropped out of the Masters, took a mental health break, which is perfectly fine. And I hope he I hope he's better. I hope he feels better. I hope he feels better about himself. Um, but I, I I don't want to roster him in DFS at eighty three hundred. Although it's a great tournament for him, a great course for him. I bet him last year here. I played him in DFS, but no. All right, ready to move on to the uh, to the seven K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Before we do, let me share my screen. Let's look at underdog real quick. Let's see what kind of prop action we got here on underdog. And listen, I think, oh, these have moved. Dang it, man. See, this is why you got to be the nut hut, too. I looked at these this, this, uh, earlier this afternoon, and there were some nice values on the under on the strokes. Uh, it is a par 71 this year now, not a par 72. So, like, Hatton was at six. I think Hatton was like sixty nine or sixty nine and a half. Such a good value. We got a bunch of those in the nut hut earlier. So I don't know. Like, what do we see here? I feel like, you know, I feel like four and a half birdies for Hatton should be decent. I think. Like, look at why would Scotty be five and a half birdies? Tom Kim five and a half. Hideki five. Oh, I get Scotty, but like Hideki and Tom Kim being five and a half birdies. J Day being five and Hatton only being four and a half doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree. That with should that. be higher. Um, I tend to when you're looking at these, like I mean, I like to look at like like a guy like Hideki, where they set the high number at. So you look at Hideki at five and a half. Yeah, and then you go and then you go down to like where the lowest number is, and then you're like, is that like in this field? Is it that? I think their lowest is four and a half. Yeah. See, there there's not even that many. Like, there's Wise at four. I don't know what to do with Wise. I think I'd probably just stay away. Like, Kuchar at five? 68 and a half. Look at what, why is that blanked out there? Who uh, is at the top of your screen at four and a half? Uh, Siwoo. See that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that should be a hit. That should be a Siwoo's hit. Siwoo's a birdie maker. He just makes big numbers. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, do you take the, the four and a half or do you take the 69? That's only a two under. Probably a uh, four see, I like the higher on the birdies because I feel yeah. like Siwoo's going to have a few. There's a lot of water on this course. Yeah, I agree with that on Siwoo. Um, Seamus, four and a half birdies. He's another birdie guy. Or Hoagie. Who do you like better if we did a three banger? Because I, I think with underdog, the optimal thing is a three or a five. See, I feel like you go Seamus, Siwoo. Just go with the low numbers there. Go with the four and a half birdies. And then let's go with an under on a scoring guy. So, like, whoever we think could be, like, at 69. No, see, I like just this three-banger right here. Who do you like? Where? where? You get? Oh, Hatton. I didn't even see Hatton. Hoagie's 69. I don't mind that. Lower. What about Tom Kim? Is that 68? I can't see. 68 and a half. 
Uh, sitting on there. I like this. Th- I like this three three way card here. I thought I was seeing sixty nine and a half, but I guess that's sixty eight and a half. So. Well, check out Underdog. They've also got the drafts in here. Look at this. You can go to PGA Drafts, and the Albatross Returns Draft is available right there. You can get in the uh, the next three majors. Go ahead and start drafting now. $10 entries, um, $250,000 in prizes. You're just going to draft a team, and then you just get to sit there and watch it play out. So it's a beautiful thing. And then at some point, too, they will uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday, they'll release the, the daily draft uh, options as well on Underdog. There's a link in the description of the podcast and the video. Check them out. We do Underdog content for uh, most every round uh, in, the, in the Discord as well. Dropping some good nuggies there. So, all right, let's get to the 7K, and then we got we to gotta burn because I, I got a great segment at the end I want to get to here. Yeah, all right. 7K is where, all right, so, so here's what I'll say. We kind of did this on the betting show, but I, I, I think the popular play is going to be a Scheffler or Hatton, or Scheffler and Hatton, potentially. And then a lot of these guys, Eric Cole, Dylan Wu, Michael Kim, Justin Suh, and Sam Stevens. That's who I see, and they're all in that mid to low 7K range. They all feel like, Good values compared to the guys at the top end of that 7K spot. They all feel solid. But, but I think you need to know that if you're building lineups that way, we're going to be chalky. Like, it's, it's going to be chalky. Sam Stevens at 60, and, and Justin Suh at 76 are the higher-priced ones. Both of them checking boxes, okay? Then you get down to Michael Kim, who we talked about a lot on the betting show. Just feels like he's leveled up. Playing very well right now at 75. Eric Cole and Dylan Wu at 74. I mean, Dylan Wu feels like a cash option if I've ever seen one here in this field to save you some cash. As does Eric Cole. I mean, I know, I know, I think Eric Cole missed the cut maybe on the number last week at Wells Fargo, but he's feeling good too. So I think you just need to be aware of that. Like, now if you're doing the Pat, the Pat Hideki KH Lee stack, then you can probably play whoever you want. But those are some guys who I think are checking boxes. Some names that I think th- that I like that I could see getting some leverage with are Joseph Bramlett, who I also think is kind of leveled up to some extent. But can I can I can I say this? I this is crazy. Okay, th- this is this would be my KH Lee take here. Except I don't think he's going to be a super. I don't think he's going to be super chalky. But finished ninth here last year for the most part, gains plenty of strokes off the tee with his distance. And has some solid peak iron weeks, but he's coming off his worst, actually second to last, second to worst ever performance putting, and that's Davis Riley. Davis Riley. Yeah, I knew you were going. I'm a little interested in that Davis Riley guy. I'm just a little bit there. I think I'm bouncing off of Will Gordon. Tired of that, you know, tired of that for right now. Um. Dylan Wu is maybe chalk I'm going to eat, but dang it. I mean, like, what's, what's too chalky at $7,400 Dylan Wu, you know? Yeah, and I think you're right. I think there's – I mean, you nailed it as far as the guys I think a lot of people are going to gravitate to. I think Michael Kim. I think Sam Stevens. I think Dylan Wu. Um, I do – I'm with you there on Bramlett. I think he's one. You look at his finishes here, top 10 in 2021. You know, made the cut last year. Um I think Mark Hubbard is one that we continue yep. to kind of ride a little bit. I mean, he he's played yep. here twice um, as far as TPC Craig Ranch, 32nd and 34th, so very consistent. He's at 7,300, playing very well lately. Yep. Made a lot of cuts, had a lot of good um, finishes. So I think um, he's one of them that, that I would look to down here. Um, yeah, another guy that's it's just it's, – he's, he's an old guy, but Jimmy Walker is just – Playing absolutely fantastic. Jimmy right. is checking boxes the last four round, four tournaments yeah. he's played in. He is doing really well. A lot of upside there. Yeah. So I think he's another one that you look at, and um, because there is going to be a lot of there's it, it's it, this is this is a week where the seven k range guys I think have more chalk than you would typically see because of the way that the eight k range kind of lays out. We talked about it. We couldn't even decide a guy that might be over. Yeah. 13 or 14 percent um so i think you're gonna see some chalk down here so you want to if you, if you do want to differentiate a little bit that's those are some guys i think adam shink's another one 7300 you know he's uh we've seen some good finishes out of him this year as well so 
Uh, you, you nailed one of them, uh, but me and your brother had dinner in Charlotte on Tuesday night with two guys who finished T27, both of them, at the Wells Fargo. Mark Hubbard, who you mentioned, and the other one was Nasty Nate Lashley, 7,200. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, he's checking a ton of boxes. Dude, in the model that I ran on Fantasy National, he is eight in this field total in the, in the, in the first run of model that I did. Like, that's really good for 7,200. Jimmy Walker, I like. Ryan Palmer, right there above him, is, is also checking a few boxes. Always, you know, always does, does him just fine in Texas. The ball, striking's, the ball striking's been there. The off the tee and the iron play's been there. Short game and driver, or short game and putter have been awful. Um, but he's been a longtime staple of the Byron Nelson, no matter where it is. Finished fifth here last year and gained 4.4 strokes putting. Like that, so I feel like Ryan Palmer's comfy here. I think he knows. I know. I think he knows the putting surfaces. These are relatively flat, benign, pure putter putting surfaces. So I think that's good for him. And then, um, you know, I think there's a lot of volatility in EVR, Eric Van Ruyen, but there's also a lot to kind of like. Um, clearly, he, he hits it far enough. He has these peak iron weeks. If the short game doesn't get him in trouble and the putter doesn't screw him over, I think EVR is in play. He's had some good finishes, 10th at the Valspar, 6th at the Amex. That's a birdie fest, right? So I think EVR is interesting. And then finally, Andrew Novak at 7K is a guy that I've been, you know, pounding in, in, the, low, in the sixes and low sevens all year. Great with his long irons, uh, really solid putter, uh, at least of late. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think Andrew Novak is an interesting play. Decent, you know, the putter's been super hot. Here, he played last year, finished 46th at this event last year, but uh, 9th at Valero, 29th at the Honda, 20th at Pebble Beach, 12th at Sony, 17th at Bermuda. Those are all weak field events. Like, I think Novak is underpriced at 7K. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the 6K draft, and we'll button it up with a, a, you know, a new segment that I'm bringing Pat in on that he doesn't know about. And I, I think it, it could fire him up. It could. We'll see. Um, all right, 6K draft. Pat, last week was our worst 6K draft probably ever, which, uh, which I got to say, we've been doing the 6K draft for months, and it's been really good. I think at the most, we've had three guys miss the cut, but even the other three had some solid upside finishes. Um, we had a run there a couple weeks ago where all of them made the cut. We had some good high finishes. Last week, it was bad. We had Harry Hall, Will Gordon, Eric Cole, and, and Carson Young miss the cut. Uh, we had Joseph Bramlett finish T40, and Dylan Wu finish T21. So that was the 6K draft last, last week. All right, I will uh, I'll start it off. I can't – I'm going to go low here, Pat. I'm going, uh, I'm going with my guy. I, I rode with this guy a couple of weeks ago. I talked him up in the Discord in the Nut Hut, and he finished 18th at Mexico. Hits it a long way. Irons are good. Short game sucks. Kevin Roy, my guy, 6,500. Kevin Roy. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go back to a guy that we had last week in the 6K lineup, and um, I feel like maybe we got a little too big for our bridges with this guy. Um, on a tough golf course, we probably should have just, you know, been a little bit of patient. Carson Young, though, at 6,700. I like it. Okay. I'm okay going back to it again. I mean, what, what did he do? Let me just look at this real quick. What did he do in those two rounds? So, first of all, he missed the cut on the number. He was one shot away. Okay. Mm-hmm. One shot away in round. So, he lost a little bit off the tee, gained on approach. He lost around the greens. He did really well with the putter. I mean, like, so, okay, so the two categories where he gained strokes, approach and putting. Two biggest categories here. I like it. All right, I'm going to go with a guy who hasn't missed a cut since the freaking Sony, dude. Since the Sony. Now, he hasn't really peaked, and he's done it all with short game, but he hits it a mile. The irons are trash, but the short game bails him out. Trevor, we're we're below. We're we're below at 6,300. We're below. I'm, go, I'm going. I'm going. Trevor. Okay. I'm playing a guy um, named Trevor. We're below. We're below. Yes. There you go. I feel like that's the right way to say it. Okay. I mean, me correcting you on anything. Yeah, that is true on pronunciation or ownership. By the way. 
Yeah. All right. Um. Wow. I you know it's what? awful down here. I think I'm gonna go with Tano Goya. Who? I mean Goya. Oh. T- oh. Okay. Do you yeah, cut out like here. like the Tano? Yeah. I like, Tano Goya. I, I like he's Tano. made you know made his last three cuts. Maybe maybe four. I'm just looking at the last three events: T60 in Mexico, T46 at Valero, Corrales T35. I'm gonna go with Goya. Oh, I don't know who to go with here. Um, this is very difficult. This is very difficult. Uh, wh- okay, what if I go? What if I do this? All right, I'm gonna do this to you. This dude has made five of his last five cuts: the Honda, the Puerto Rico, Corrales, Valero, and Mexico, including two top twenties, four top thirties. 6,600, Kevin Chapel. Oh, I like that one. I knew you would. Didn't he win? He won, too, right? He won in Texas. He's won in Texas. I think he did, yeah. I think he uh, did. He yeah. won the Valero. Yeah, won the Valero. And a runner-up at the Valero. All and right. a fourth place at the Valero in his career. Okay. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of take the easy way out a little bit here. Um, but he does check some boxes, um, gives himself a lot of birdie looks. If he could just actually make some putts, that is Austin Smotherman at seven. Oh, oh. wait, 100. Damn it. Yeah, he's oh. in the 7K. What are you doing? Son of a bitch. Are you All right, here's any attention. I'll go, with, uh, I'll go with Kramer Hickok. William Lanier's on his bag, played well last week, was up there for a little bit. Uh, I'll go with Kramer. University of Texas guy. Mm-hmm. I have to say that as much as I can so that Ben will troll uh, us. Um, yeah, you'd love to do that. All right, that's the 6K draft. Uh, Kevin Roy, Trevor Werbelow, Carson Young, Kevin Chappell, Tano Goya, and Kramer Hickok. What a murderer's row in the 6K draft. Amazing players. For the final segment of the evening, I'm bringing a new segment. I don't have a graphic yet, but I'll get one. Called the comment section, Pat. And this is where I bring in screenshots of comments that have been either in our Twitter profiles, our Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, what have you. Dumb or just mean comments. And, you know, some people would say, DB, why would you do that? Why would you give the trolls space? Well, I'm not going to give all of them space because we have plenty of trolls and we always have and whatever. Um, but I'm going to give a few of them space, and I think some of them are funny and could lead to funny conversations. So if anything, I'm going to do it for that reason. So, Pat, I've, I've, I've got a cornucopia of comments here that I will bring up on the screen, and we'll go through them one by one, even though you'll be able to see all of them. And I want to start with the one furthest to the left. He is a famous YouTube commenter on some of our recent videos, and apparently uh, he, he must have, I don't know if he, I don't know if he- He's inv- famous? Well, I don't know if he invented the Android, but the Degen dude, Degen dude on YouTube. Oh, yes. You know, okay. for weeks loves to to comment this. DB has flown over the shark. <laughs> okay, he said that one. Then I think he got then I think he may have looked it up and then later he said DB has jumped the shark. But DB has flown over the shark is quite funny. I don't know why. He doesn't say why. He just says I have. Apparently, I've done it. I've, I have jumped the shark or flown over the shark. But also, he hates Apple. This guy hates Apple. And I guess what triggered him is we ran a contest with Leaderboard. You are Apple biased. Yes. yes. We are. We are. We, we, yeah. we ran a contest. We, we were doing the family sweat bet for a few weeks with, Andrew, with uh, Leaderboard, our friends at Leaderboard, which is a great app. You should download it. The link is in the description. It's a great on-course golf app, and it's free, but only for iOS users. They're developing it for the Android, and it's not out yet. It's not ready yet, probably because Android makes it freaking difficult. But anyway, DGen Dude on YouTube is very offended by this. So Tour Junkies is Apple biased. Tour Junkies hates Android phone users. And, and, and I'm only showing you one screenshot of this comment. This dude gets in here, got in here on the reg and would say that I jumped, flew, flew over the shark and that Apple... I like, I like flown over the shark <laughs> because I've never heard that. I've heard Yeah, because he's a freaking 
ding dong, and he doesn't know what the saying is. But also, I mean, it is a dumb saying. What does it even mean to jump the shark? I don't even know. Um, but okay, cool. apparently we hate Android users, but we don't. We love Android users. So that's the first one. I mean, I don't, I mean, let's just, I'll be honest. Technically, if I'm in a group chat and there's an Android guy, I'm, I, I feel differently. Oh, I do. Part. Yeah, that does drive me nuts. I mean, there yeah. are problems with that, but that's on, that's on Android people. I mean, like my dad will send a group text. He's, he's the only guy I know in an Android phone. He has some dumb setting on his phone where he'll send a group text, but it will send it to each person in the group individually. So he might be responding to you, but I get the text message solo to me. So I think he's talking just to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, that was meant for so-and-so. Like, what the f- Yeah, That's an Android issue. Yeah, I think it's better now, but yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. Moving on. Let's, stay t- let's go down to the next YouTube comment from BR Chief. This was just three days ago. You two need to back up your projections with quantifiable data as opposed to just saying like or don't like. <laughs> you want this one or you want, or you want me to start? I'll let you start, but I have, I have. You need to back. I mean, like, okay, let me turn it. Okay. So when we started this show, it was extremely stat heavy. Like we would literally tell you every stat that this person did. Every box they checked. Mm-hmm. And then we got complaints of, oh, this is so terrible. All you do is talk about stats and you read stats, 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 stats. I used to get mad about stats. Data, we data, data, data. We had a stat guy on, and I got in an argument with him because I was so tired of hearing about stats. <laughs> data, 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 data. Nerdy, 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 nerdy. Calculator, calculator, calculator. Listen, we talk about stats all the time, dude. Like, I literally, we, I, I literally just, re- I read off every, like, what are you even listening to? We talk about last 50 rounds this, last 24 rounds this. We don't give you every stat. And in the DraftKings show, if you're too thick to understand, the DraftKings is very much not all about the stats, but it's about leverage and it's about lineup construction, which may not necessarily be, it's about upside, may not necessarily be about the guy who's, Hitting all the stats. If all you want to do is play, the, Pat just made this point about a few guys. If all you want to do is roster six guys who all check all the juicy boxes, then you will never win jack shit because your lineup will have zero leverage in it. Also, do you know how long the show would take if we talked about guys with stats? It would take for freaking ever. So we, we highlight a few. Some guys, it's a gut call. Some guys, it's just a, hey, He's low-owned. He's got some upside. He's not checking a ton of boxes or whatever. It's a Seamus Power situation. You know, this week, he, he's, he could win, but he's overpriced. Like, it's not just about stats, bro. But what are you even listening to? Like, we talk about it all the time. I'm not going to open up the, the windows to my model and show you all the goodies all the time because, like, it's my model. Also, like, welcome to fantasy sports or betting or what. Like, do you just want us to give you the picks? Or do you want us to, like, part of this show is to be entertaining and also just talk about how we're processing it. We're not, we're saying who we like, but fuck it. Like, make your own damn decisions. You have a brain? Why don't you run a model? It's very easy. There's all these websites that make it very easy. You do it. I listen to fantasy football shows every week of the NFL season. You know what I don't do is take every single pick those guys say. I'm looking for one little thing, one little nugget here and there, one little thing. To be like, oh, you know what? I wasn't on that guy, but now that makes me think. That's it. Like, what, what? You want me to read off my spreadsheet to you in the middle of the, for, four, for 40 minutes? Yeah, because that could be pretty entertaining, right? What are we I mean, talking look, about? Again, a lot of it is just being entertaining, and we want to be entertaining. We want to provide great information. We do, okay? But like DB just said, like you're probably just going to get a little nugget here and there about a guy that you've already – you know, thought about, or maybe you didn't think about the guy, or maybe there's a little bit, you know, a nugget about the course that you didn't know about that we we brought up, you know, somewhere along the way that helps you put together a lineup, okay? But for one, it's not going to be very entertaining for just throwing, like regurgitating a bunch of stats for you that you can get on your nerdy whatever you want to go to and get, all right? So that's just not going to happen. And And here's another thing. A lot of what we talk about is because we watch golf over and over and over again, week in and week out. So we pick up a little things from guys that we're watching, you know, little things from, you know, got, we're reading chats, 
transcript from press conferences and whatever else it's going to be that we're putting out there. And that's where you get your little nuggets from. It's not from the stats. It's not. You, you could, you could, anybody can, you know, give you a spreadsheet. It, it's just, we're trying to be entertaining here, right? Well, so just calm down. Golf is the <laughs> least, like, golf has a ton of stats. There are a ton of stats in golf, but golf is the most wildly variable sport in the world. Yeah. So, whatever the stats tell you, it can get completely off the rails or completely on the rails. Opposite of what the stats tell you, at any given moment, these guys can get one thought, one swing tip, one little thing, one little course they show up to they have good vibes on. It could all change just like that. That's why it's freaking golf. That's one reason why we love it. But, like, you just can't be so stats heavy. The other thing is we record the show on a Monday night. We don't always, like, have the full-on model, like, fully fleshed out by Monday. We don't know ownership fully on Monday. We're guessing on ownership. This show also drives a lot of ownership. We've been doing it eight years. So, like, there's a lot of things in terms of DFS that we don't, we don't always know. We don't know weather. We don't know wave advantages. There's a lot of things that go into play here. That's why reading the blog articles, getting the emails, being in the Discord, all of those things accumulate that information and that knowledge by Wednesday night, the chats. And then that's when we start landing on some stuff, right? Anyway, fun to do this. I'm enjoying this already. All right, now I wanna go, I'm going to end on the one in the middle. I'm going to pull up this screenshot here. There's one on the right. The tweet. The tweet. From Matt Johnson. And listen, God bless you, Matt. No, no hate. Anyone else notice that Tour Junkies episodes are now just one giant advertisement promotion? He tweeted this on May 3rd, and no one has liked it as of today, and there's been no comment. So I don't know if no one's noticed or just no one's listening to you right now, Matt. But listen, I'm sorry. If you feel that that's the case, I'm sorry. In reality, it couldn't be further from the truth. Okay? We have at max, Three, at max, three partners per podcast that we promote. Maybe for majors, we do four because it's a larger show. It's a big deal. It's a big show. It's a little bit longer. We might do four. Did you know, if you look up any podcast statistic, they will tell you that you should do ads once every 10 minutes. That would be six ads on our show. If you click on YouTube videos that have ads, that's what they will tell you to do. We don't do ads on our YouTube video. We only do the red ads that we do, the organic red ads that we do. They are never more than a minute. Maybe, they're, maybe they get up to like, I don't know, a minute 15. I mean, if I start talking about gerbils. And well, yeah, unless Pat does it, I will give you that. I'll give you that one. Um, yeah. Our show is always an hour long, pretty much. Our shows are an hour long. We might, so three to four ads, let's just say they're all two minutes. That's six to eight minutes of ads in an hour-long I mean, show. Masters coverage right there for you, folks. Yeah, which is freaking incredible. Yeah. Let me give you a couple other tips, Matt. You can hit the 30-second skip button if you want. You can hit the skip button on YouTube if you want. You can, or you can just not listen, zone out for a minute, check your phone. I don't know. Or another hack, listen to us slow-talking Southerners on 1.5x. Or 1.25x. You can do that on podcast app. I do it all the time with shows. So I listen to so many podcasts. Speed it up. Get through it. But listen, dude. Like, everything we do is free with the exception of the Discord. The podcast. The YouTube channel. No ads on the YouTube channel, by the way. The emails. The blog articles. There's now five or six blog articles a week. This is all free. How do you think we get paid, bro? Like, we, we don't... This is a job. We put a lot of work and effort into this. A lot. Well, so yes, we have ads. We are going to have ads. How about, and, but also, hold on, hold on. They're also really freaking good partners. Like we, we don't just let any Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to advertise their, you know, f- their stupid golf aid. You wouldn't believe how many of those we get. And they're shit. So we, we vet these, these things. If you notice, a lot of our partners, what are they related to? betting in DFS or playing golf. Why? Because people who listen to us bet, they play DFS, and they probably play golf. So why would you not want to know about a new really cool app like Picket or SoBet or Leaderboard? Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I mean, you said exactly what I was about to chime in and say there. Is like, how about we just say this? Let's back it up a little bit and just realize the fact that we're partnering with people that we believe in. You would not believe how many emails yeah. 
I mean, I do actually read our emails, DB. I know you think You at least read the subject lines. I know that. Yeah. Of people trying to do stuff. And it's a lot. Or the Instagram DMs. Hey, yeah. uh, please market my product. How much for a market? You know, we don't but do that. We choose the folks that we like to deal with. All right. And so maybe if you do want to speed it up, that's fine or do whatever. But maybe listen to what we're actually talking about with some of these partners because it's good stuff. All right. Yeah. Like you said, whether it's picket, leaderboard, underdog, whatever it is. All right. So bet. It's all good stuff and it's worth listening to. And then if you've already heard it a few times and you get tired of it, well, then you can skip. All right. But first, do what we say. <laughs> yeah, right. But either way, no, it is good stuff. All right. So, and, um, all right. This last one, I knew that was going to happen. This last one is probably more of a me trigger. Uh, so I did an Instagram video about, uh, John Ron. I did an Instagram video about the volatility of putting. And I talked about how at the Mexico Open in round three, John Rahm made 156 feet of putts. And I said the comment, this was in Mexico, at the Mexico Open in Mexico. I said, you know, John Rahm, Saturday shoots a course record 61, makes 156 feet of putt, goes back to the hotel, has a burrito, goes to sleep, wakes up, shoots a, 60, uh, a 67, and only makes 60 feet of putts 24 hours later. Like it's the, I'm highlighting the variance of putting. Okay. And then I get this guy in the comments. Par amigos. He goes, yo, hella curious why you said he had a burrito. Okay. okay. Immediately we can, okay. Anyway. I reply to, because people tend to eat authentic Mexican food when in, I wanted to say effing Mexico. I didn't. When in Mexico, what are we doing here? He says, I was genuinely asking a question of why you said burrito as opposed to any other food in the world. It makes sense why you said burrito now. So apparently he missed the part that they were in fucking Mexico. But it'd also be great to expand past the burrito when it comes to culture. Sucks to have Mexican food reduced to just a burrito, to be honest. I don't think you meant any negative intent with saying burrito, but that's why I asked. <laughs> You are right. I did not mean any negative intent, but now I am about to mean negative intent. This is, that is the... Okay. You want me to reduce to just a burrito? What did you want me to do there in that 60-minute Instagram video? Oh, so John Rom goes back to, his, to his, his hotel and has a taco, a burrito, an enchilada, a pollo con crema. He probably has a uh, stuffed bell pepper. He probably has... Like, you want me to name everything? Am I supposed to name... How many should I name? Should I name an unlimited amount of Chips Mexican, popular Mexican dishes? Should I do that? Should I have looked at... Hoveros oh, Rancheros? Hoveros, a Speedy Gonzalez? Or would it have been bad had I named an Americanized menu of Mexican food instead of going to an authentic Mexican restaurant and maybe reading it in Spanish on the Instagram? Like, where the... F does it stop? Okay? I freaking... I mean, like, this guy on the internet... I'm talking about now as a big guy, like as a whole, is unbelievable to me. The guy's never commented on our videos before in the past. He sees this, he's triggered, and he and he just has to say something because he's a, he's a, he's a he's a he's virtue signal. He just has to virtue signal how awesome and special he is and how how awful I am. And it's so freaking ridiculous. Meanwhile, the PGA Tour's intro and outro music of every single break during the Mexico Open was guess what? Hispanic Latin sounding music, like it, yeah. you know, I mean, it wasn't. What, was he email? I mean, was he? Was he? At, would you? Would you? If you're in Mexico, I mean, does it have to be authentic Mexican type music? I mean, what if God. they want to listen to Taylor Swift there? Yeah. Okay. No, you can only play Bad Bunny, Pitbull, Ricky Martin, Selena, Jennifer Lopez. But if I leave out, uh, if I if I leave out, um, Mark Anthony, what what are you what are you doing? It, has it been right. reduced to just those Mex those you know Hispanic and Latin artists? Like, I, give me a freaking break, dude. This is what's wrong with our world. You are what's wrong with our world, par amigos. You're living over par. Get a grip. Oh, that's a good statement there, over par. Yeah. You're living over, over par. You're not living La Vida Loca, I'll tell you that. Mm. <laughs> You're not. You are... You are... Uh, 
how do I say, um, I'm going to translate it. Live, living over par. Come on. You are vivor, vivor por encima de la media. I don't think that's right, but I did take Spanish in college. Um, anyway, that has been the comment section. If you liked it, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with my own of these one day. If you like it, drop a comment in the YouTube channel and let us know what you think. Hit the thumbs up, like button, subscribe, hey, all if that. You good were stuff. commented about like if you were a subject, yeah. You know, come on. Bring it back. Yeah, comment back. Listen, I don't... Now, listen, I don't... Degen dude... Degen dude and Par Amigos, you guys can just F off. I don't, I don't care if you ever listen or watch or follow us at all. Matt Johnson and BR Chief, I hope you guys kind of heard us and understand us a little bit. No, no offense. Hope you keep listening. If you've listened this far into this show, which you probably haven't. But um, Degen dude and Par Amigos, you guys can, you guys can hit, the, hit the streets. We don't need you. And with that, that wraps up the Byron Nelson 2023 DFS show. Uh, May your screens be green. See ya!